with a new episode of this podcast, Raising Daughters. I'm so glad you stopped by here every week and listen in. And today I'm going to talk about a topic that I think is topical. Because for most of you, school is out. Summer is upon us. Which means that your kids are going to be home more. Which means that there is more opportunity for an uptick in sibling rivalry. So I thought I would spend a few moments here today giving you some information about why sibling rivalry happens and even more importantly, what you can do about it to prevent it and also to handle it. And one of the reasons is because I think we moms and dads, we're sometimes part of the problem. And sometimes if we don't handle our part, the sibling rivalry will not get better. I heard a story about a woman who was in police officer training. And she was preparing really hard, uh, you know, to make it. And one of the last things she had to do was to go in for this in-depth interview with several members of the police academy board. And they were going to determine her fate. Was she going to be uh, a police officer or not? Well, they gave her some situations to, to figure out. And the first one was this. You're on a r- routine patrol and you see a car traveling at excessive speed. And it's, got, it's swerving back and forth. And so you pull it over. And you discover that the driver of this car is your brother. What do you do? Without hesitation, the woman said, I tell mom. Apparently, she was accepted immediately to the program. If you don't handle the sibling rivalry stuff now, there's a decent chance it's going to persist throughout their childhoods and also into adulthood. As many of adults can probably attest to, including myself. Those, those situations, those, those rivalries, those relationships oftentimes persist throughout their lives. So why does sibling rivalry happen? And I could talk about this for a long time. Let me touch on a couple of highlights. I saw a girl in my counseling practice not too long ago, and she was having a lot of struggles at home, power struggles. She was about seven years old, and she had two younger siblings, two younger brothers. And one of the things I asked her at one point was, how do, the, how do your brothers get noticed at home? How do they get attention? And she said, you know, one of her brothers was really loud, and that's how he got attention. And the other one got attention because he always had problems. He had some health problems, apparently. Then I asked her, how do you get attention? How do you get noticed? How do you get loved at home? And her answer was, I get it by getting in trouble. So a lot of the sibling rivalry in her home was her way of saying, hello, what about me? I remember years and years ago when our daughter Kelly was in kindergarten and so her two younger brothers were at home. She had a brother who was 20 months younger and then another one to four years you know, prior to that. So there was a baby and then uh, TJ, then, then Kelly. And uh, she was going off to school all day and her brother TJ was in preschool just a couple, I think it was two or three half days a week. So he was home a lot. And we noticed that Kelly was getting kind of rough with her younger brother, John, who was about, I think, 15 months at the time, which was unlike her. She's a very uh, gentle soul. And so we kind of crabbed at her about it a little bit. Then we finally stopped and thought, I wonder what's going on here. So one day when uh, we noticed she was being rough with John, we said to her, Kelly, I wonder if what you're saying when you're being rough with John is that you're feeling kind of left out because you're at school all day and your brothers are both home. And Kelly didn't say to us, oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. I can't believe you. Yes, oh my gosh, you have a window into my soul. She didn't say all that. 
But she kind of gave us that kind of half smile, like, I don't know. And we said to her, if that's true, if you feel kind of left out because you're at school all day, then just tell us. If you want some special time, ask for it. Then my wife and I both decided together, let's make sure we pull her aside and give her some special time without her, her having to ask. We took her out on some special dates and some walks. I took her out to breakfast and the misbehavior went away because she was really asking for love and connection. She felt left out. I think that's common. Uh, I also think anytime you see an uptick in, in sibling rivalry, I would, I would remind you that kids tend to reflect the adults around them. So if there's more anger and fighting within your kids, I would look at two things first. Number one, I'd look at myself. What's your mental health like? Have you been happy? Have you been present? Or have you been more angry, crabby, and distant or distracted? Because if, you're, if you've been those things, then sometimes your kids will respond by creating more sibling rivalry. They'll reflect your inner world of disharmony. I also would look at your marriage. How are things between mom and dad? If things have not been good, if there's been crabbing and fighting and anger and, and distance or coldness or whatever, things like that, tension, oftentimes that will, will be reflected in your children and, and oftentimes it'll look like more sibling rivalry. So clean up your issues so that you are present and happy and with it and also clean up anything going on in your marriage so that you're not adding that to your kid's uh, load. I've also noticed a lot of younger siblings, the youngest one, who oftentimes will uh, tease their siblings or they'll provoke their siblings, trigger their siblings any way they can, and they learn that early on. And oftentimes what they're saying is, I'm the low man, I'm the low woman on the totem pole here, and I want to be heard. I want to be seen. I've been, I've been dragged to everybody's soccer games and their basketball games and all their activities, and I'm just this you know, three-year-old or five-year-old or whatever. I don't have as much say-so, it seems like, in this home. And what those kids need is to be heard, and they need to be seen, and they need some more say-so. That's why we used to do, That's one of the reasons why we used to do weekly family meetings was to make sure everybody in the house had equal say in things. Everybody had a chance to put their two cents forward, even the youngest one. And that was very empowering for them, for our youngest son, John. Sometimes younger siblings will provoke their older ones and create sibling rivalry because they want to be noticed by them. They, they, like, they look up to their older sibling. Their, their older sibling has a friend over, and then they say, you know, we don't want to play with the younger one, and then they feel left out, so then they will create all kinds of mischief to try and get to be noticed because they want to be included. I encourage the older siblings to spend some special time with their siblings so that they're not so quote-unquote needy for their attention and time. It's okay to want to play with your friend when they come over, but if you haven't spent any time with the younger one, you're asking for trouble. Also, last but not least, I think one of the reasons why there's sibling rivalry in homes is because kids lack skills of knowing how to handle conflicts peacefully and cooperatively. They lack skills for learning how to create win-win solutions with each other. They need to be taught that. That's part of our job as their parents. I think one of the things that happens a lot in our homes is that a parent will hear their, their kids fighting and they will storm into the room with a head of steam because they're frustrated because this is the eighth time today this has happened. And they'll start to bark orders, like who started it? And a lot of times we even kind of 
figure out on what we think is what we know, which is, it's this one who started it, you're at fault. And we start to we start to get into this control mode where we become the judge, the juror, and the executioner. We know who started it. We get one person in trouble. We send them off. And or we stand there and say, just give your brother this or just give your sister that. And we solve it for them, which in the moment may quiet them down. But when you walk out of the room 20 minutes later, there's another fight because we, we haven't taught them how to take responsibility for their for their rivalry and for their conflicts. Her story about a little boy, he was about five years of age. One day he was crying. He came into his mom's room. He said, Mom, my little sister you know, was pulling my hair again. It hurts. I want you to do something about it. And the mom said to him, Honey, your sister's only 15 months old. She doesn't know that pulling hair hurts. She doesn't know that yet. Well, that didn't really quiet or mollify the older boy. So he stomped out of the room. About 10 minutes later, the mom hears the younger sister crying in her room. So she walks in and the older brother's standing there with a handful of, of hair, of her sister's hair in his hand. And he says, she knows now. So we've got to teach them how to, to take care of their, their problems on their own. So we need to shift our intention from going in and figuring things out, who started it, who's right, who's wrong, punishing one of them, or solving the problem for them. We need to shift out of that intention to... My job is not to figure it out. I'm, I'm tired of being the policeman or the policewoman. My job is to be an unbiased mediator who can sit you guys down and teach you how to talk to each other and figure things out on your own. I need to teach you the skills so I can slowly but surely back myself out of the job of, of being involved in this. It's not my relationship. And, and it doesn't take that long for kids to learn those skills. We need, to, we need to sit them down and say, and tell, let them know, you, you talk to your brother, tell him how you feel and tell him what you want. Brother, listen, mirror back what you heard her say, then tell her what you want and how you're feeling about what's going on. And then once both people have put their needs out there and they've both heard them, it's much easier then to figure out a solution that will b- work for both of them. A quote unquote, win-win. That's your job, to teach them how to listen to each other, to express their needs, also listen to their siblings' needs, and then to try and come to a solution that works for both of them. And we've got to trust that they can do that, because a lot of parents don't think their kids can. I heard a wonderful story one time about a little boy named Johnny. He used to hang out at the local corner market with his older siblings and their friends. And the owner of the store noticed that there was a problem going on. Because what would happen is the older boys would always tease little Johnny. They always kind of tease him about not being very smart. He was kind of stupid. And to prove it, they would offer this little boy his choice between giving him a nickel or a dime. And the little boy, Johnny, always took the nickel because they thought he thinks it's more because it's bigger. And they would laugh and walk off. One day after John grabbed the nickel, the the store owner took him aside and said, Hey, Johnny, I think those boys are making fun of you. Are are you aware of that? They think you don't know the difference between a dime and a nickel. They think that you think the dime is less valuable because it's smaller. Is that why you're grabbing the nickel? Because it's bigger? Well, Johnny looked around to make sure his brother and his friends weren't there. And he turned to the store owner and he said, with a big grin on his face, I realized if I took the dime... They stopped doing it, and so far, I've saved $20. 
So we've got to give them skills and trust that they can do it. Let me give you two examples. I remember years ago, um, our, our daughter Kelly got a, a new bicycle and she was about six and we put training wheels on it and she was having some struggles with doing it. So she wasn't really trying very hard or using it much. And our son TJ wanted to try it. And so the first day he rode that easily and then he asked to take the training wheels off, which we did. And he rode up and down the street the very first time he ever got on a two-wheel bike. So he was riding her bike. And at one of our family meetings, Kelly brought up that she was upset because TJ wasn't asking her to use the bike. That he was just taking it and sometimes she did want to ride it. And so he listened and he told her that, you know, how he wanted to ride that bike because, you know, his little, you know, three-wheel thing wasn't doing it for him anymore. So what they worked out was that Kelly was okay with him using it as long as he asked permission first and he would put it away when he was done. That worked for both of them and then problem solved. I remember a long time ago, we had an interesting situation. We had two sisters who were at one of our summer camps and we were talking about skills for resolving conflicts peacefully. So we were teaching the kids some steps about how to talk to each other, listen to each other. And one of the, the younger siblings said he wanted to, to talk to his brother about something. And he asked permission. And the older brother said, sure. So the two, uh, uh, I'm sorry, two sisters went into the middle of the circle. And we said, what we said to the, the kids was, we want you to show us what happens at home. But we want you to switch roles. So we had the younger sister um, become the older sister. And the older sister become the younger sister. And just show us how your sibling um, acts when there's a fight, when there's something going on. And, we, and then we said, go ahead, show us. And then it was very interesting because the older, uh, the younger sibling who was acting like the older one, she, she started barking orders at her sibling and she was being really bossy and angry and, and very critical. And then the younger sibling just starts wailing. <laughs> The, the younger one, it was really the older one acting like the younger one. So both of them were exaggerating what they thought that their siblings were doing. So the younger one was showing how mean the older one was, and the older one was showing um, how whiny and out of control and exaggerating that the younger one was. And we, we played it out for a while, and then we stopped, and we asked them how they were feeling, having noticed you know, how, how, how they felt by having played it out. And both the boys got teary-eyed. I'm sorry, both the girls got teary-eyed. And both of them said they didn't realize how the other one felt. The older sister didn't realize how hurt her younger sister was. And the younger one didn't realize how her actions were affecting her older sister and getting her in trouble all the time with her parents. So they made some commitments to each other about doing it different. And then they went back into the circle and I checked back with them about a month later, and things had gotten a lot better. So sometimes siblings just need to get into the shoes of the older or younger one to see things from their point of view. That might motivate them to do it different also. I also think it helps sometimes to just do a little bit of one-on-one -on -one coaching. I remember uh, sometimes taking one of our kids aside because maybe one of them was tattling on the other one, or maybe the younger one was bugging the older one when their friends were over. And so I would, we did a little win-win negotiation, and that was fine. But then I took the older one aside, and I said, do you understand why, why he is doing that, why he's bothering you when your friend's over? 
And I talked about his need for being connected. He wanted to be included. He liked playing with his big sister. You know, he looked up to her. And I, I told her, you don't have to play with him 24-7. That's, I understand that. And you don't have to play with him every time your friends come over. That's okay. And if you don't spend any time with him and he feels kind of left out from your life and he feels disconnected, then you're asking for mischief. So I coached her to, to you know, encouraged her to spend some time with him. To do, you know, he liked to, to draw and color, to do that with him, to go out and play basketball with him. And if she did that, uh, sometimes, and he wouldn't be so needy for attention. There's always times where you can, you know, take one aside and do some coaching to help them understand things in a different way. So, as the summer begins, or no matter what time of the year it is when you start this, I would sit your kids down and tell them what you're going to do. I would say to them, look, I, when you guys get into fights, sometimes I go in there, and I'm always kind of upset and angry, and I end up trying to figure out who started it and who's right, who's wrong. And I blame one of you. I get one of you in trouble. And I'm tired of doing that. And I don't think you guys like it either, do you? And the kids will say no. Great. So here's what you can expect from me from now on. If I hear you guys squabbling, I may let it go on for a while and let you guys try and figure it out. If I choose to come in and get involved, I want you to know all I'm going to do is be an unbiased mediator and explain what that means. All I'm going to do is listen, try and help you guys talk to each other. I'm not going to try and figure it out. I don't care. It's not my fight. And you guys are old enough to do it yourselves. So the most I'll do is coach you guys to help you try and find a, a good solution. And I think if you let them know ahead of time when the time comes, then it's easier for you to go into that role. And they very they will very quickly realize that they can't get their sibling in trouble by exaggerating, by tattling, and all that stuff. So you, you've removed a big reason for some of the sibling rivalry. That in and of itself will help a lot. You coming in calmly, it's amazing how our presence, our energy, how it affects kids. If you walk in there with a the head of steam, you're frustrated, annoyed, and angry, then that adds to their steam. If you walk in there calm, cool, and collected, get down their level, and just say, what's going on, guys? And you talk to them in that way, maybe put a hand on their shoulders. That helps a lot. It really does. Usually. Not always, but usually. There may be times when they're too mad, too whatever to talk about. And I'd say, you know, once you go separate, go, go to different parts of the house, go outside, whatever. And when you get yourself calmed down, come on back and we'll, and we'll figure out how to handle this toy problem. Probably, mostly, They'll never come back because it's not about the toy. It's more about the co competition between each other. It's about whatever is going on between them. But if, if they do calm down enough, then you can come back and say, why don't we talk about this? Or, you know what? We can talk about this at the next family meeting tomorrow night. We can, maybe we can take a day to cool off and hit, do some thinking about it. I think that helps a lot also. Last thing I want to mention here is something I learned from my mentor, Dr. T. Barry Brazelton, during my fellowship training a long time ago. And he said something that I think is really true and something I want you to keep in mind. Because sometimes we focus and over-focus on the rivalry part of their relationship, our children's relationship, because it's that's the part that's annoying and frustrating. But the truth is that sibling rivalry and sibling relationship is like a two-sided coin. 
That's what Dr. Dr. Breslin taught me. A two-sided coin. And on one side is the rivalry and the fighting and all that. But on the other side is the caring. The love they have for each other in their relationship. So I don't want you to over-focus on the rivalry and miss out on the ways that they do treat each other nicely. The times and the ways that they are, they do care for each other. I would try and focus more on those times and acknowledge them for that as opposed to just acknowledging the rivalry part. One quick story to, to let you guys go with. Uh, it's just a funny little story about siblings. Uh, I heard about this woman who discovered she was pregnant and her four-year-old son overheard his parents' conversation talking about it. And he didn't say anything until a week later when the family friend asked him if he was excited about the prospect of a new brother or sister. Yeah, said the boy, I know what we're going to have too. I know what we're going to name it. They said, oh really, what, what are the names going to be? And the little boy said, if it's a girl, we're going to call her Emily. And if it's another boy, we're going to call it quits. <laughs> Good luck with your sibling rivalry this summer. Shift your intention. Turn it over to them after you teach them the skills about how to handle it themselves. And my guess is, and my promise is, you'll have a much more happy and more peaceful home this summer. Check me out on my website for any information about the stuff that I, I do, books, retreats, my, my parenting classes, www.drtimjordan.com. If you know anybody else, any of your friends who have issues with sibling rivalry in their home, please pass on this podcast to them. I will see you back here in a week. Thanks for stopping by.